everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller here with Ms. Wendy Batts, my fellow Regional Master Instructor. Wendy, how's everything going today? It's great, Marty. How are you? Excellent. I'm excited because we did this topic before. We got some great feedback and the request was, hey, can you continue on? So here we go with Hidden Gems Part 2. Part two, you got to love it. And, you know, these are exercises when we talk about them truly that we use weekly. I use the ones that I know that I chose, I use with all of my clients. And as you can see, there's a way to progress them and regress them. And hopefully you guys like them as well. Yes. And again, I actually picked one that's like so basic, but that's the cool part about it. There's so many hidden things, even in that basic exercise. Oh, hence the name Hidden Gems, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a gem right there. What do you know? There you go. And that's actually what we're going to talk about. We're going to take some time and really think about the overall effectiveness of the exercises that we're talking about, what muscles we're using when we're actually doing the exercises to make sure that we're really clear on the prime movers. Um, Marty and his accidental exercise. So we're definitely going to cover that again. And then we're going to do or give you guys some of our favorites, because like I said, I think some of these we take for granted and bringing them to the forefront. That's why I love doing these. And we do appreciate the feedback and we're glad that most of you guys are liking these too. So, uh, you know, just keep the comments and feedback coming and we'll do our best to continue on and, and give you some of our, uh, I don't know, exercises that, uh, that we enjoy or enjoy having our clients suffer through. I don't know. And both, <laughs> right? But I think the key thing is I can speak for Wendy. I can speak for, you know, all of our other instructors. There's nothing that we put into a program that's by accident. It's not just like, eh, it's leg day or, and eh, they want, you know, uh, you fill in the blank, a chest exercise. It may come across to the client like that, because again, we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to make it engaging. We're trying to, not, with some of our clients, we're not trying to overwhelm them with the science, but there's always a thought process. And, you know, I go back to when I was a director in different facilities and managed uh, a staff or when Wendy and I grade papers for Cal U if we ask a question on design a program, there should be, this is the exercise I chose, comma, why? Not, this is the exercise I chose, period. Yeah, there has to be a sentence or two explanation of why I was working on triple flexion, triple extension in stabilization. So I did a ball cobra. Maybe we'll talk about that today. So there's always that why. There's not just, well, it was leg day and I looked at Instagram, right? So Wait, even you, you mean are, Instagram and magazines aren't your go-to, Marty? No. Although, <laughs> although there are creative people out there. So what I do is I have the filter and the lens of NASM. I watch what they do. I look at the five kinetic chain checkpoints. I look at is that an exercise that maybe I didn't think about, but I like the movement patterning that it's going after and that I can put that into X phase, stabilization, strength, endurance, power, maybe all. But hey, you know what? When you do it this way, you get all these other unique features. I don't just go, oh, I like that. I'm copying it. I have that filter that I know you do and that we teach is, you know, does it violate the five kinetic chain checkpoints? Is it something that my client can do? Can I progress it? Can I regress it? Can I know the movement patterns that I'm going after? And is it safe and effective? So I will watch it, but with that filter. Yeah, me as well. And, and Marty and I have done um, other webinars and hopefully you guys will go back and revisit. But, you know, we did stuff that's like risk versus benefit. But when you look at things like as a, you know, as a whole, there are so many good exercises that can be, you know, put anywhere into a program as long as it makes sense. 
it fits within the client's capabilities and there's something that that they can execute and execute correctly and so again the ones that we're going to show you guys today there's a lot we'll talk about different phases that we put them in and why and then again like i said you know if you guys want even more let us know um, and we're happy to continue to provide some of our exercises with the rationales because to marty's point you have to know why you're putting something in you need to know what the exercise is, is focusing on so the prime movers and then at that point too what is it that the client needs and does this exercise fulfill that need and you know and that can be everything the arm show the leg game you know the glutes you're talking about rule number two give them what they want while you give them what they need absolutely you're doing your rules <laughs> We're gonna have to go back and figure out which which one we did that on. I'm not going over today, <laughs> or the few that we did that one on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes up frequently. I'm sorry. Yeah, but if we go to the next slide, I mean, the thing is, is that I really want to emphasize, and as you guys start looking at even our newest template that we provided with the latest NASM CPT textbook, you're gonna see that we're not just focusing on activation. We're focusing a lot on movement patterns. And so, you know, when we're thinking about exercises, you're thinking about all the different movements that are within that exercise. So for example, sprinting. And if you look at this picture, you're gonna see this individual, she's in triple extension. So her back leg, she's extending her ankle, her knee and her hip. So at that point, you know, think about your gait, your walking pattern, you have to go and push off. So this is a good way of doing it. And then she's in triple flexion on her right leg. And so again, flexion of the foot, the knee and the hip. And so those are exercises. When you think about it, these are ways that we can mimic triple flexion and triple extension, which is a movement pattern that we need in everyday activities. And so, you know, obviously if someone's brand new to exercise, I'm not going to have them sprint or I'm not going to have them bound. But if I'm thinking about putting these exercises within a program and they have graduated up to this level, I feel comfortable that they're here or if they're coming in from a track, you know, they're a track runner and they're already doing that and you're trying to correct stuff, think about the exercises and what is involved inside of them and the movement patterns that create that actual exercise. Because the more you start thinking that way, when you start to regress an exercise, it's going to help you because that, therefore when you put it all together and they do explosive things like sprinting and bounding, you know that you've done the right, you know, uh, progression to get them there successfully. Yep. And the key thing is we will talk movement patterns, you know, professional, professional, sometimes with our clients, we're going to say, okay, we're going to do a sprint. We're going to do bounding because maybe that just makes it easier to get that, uh, you know, communicated to your client, but don't just kind of, um, I don't want to maybe say get lazy with the term of an exercise, really dissect it into the patterning. Cause that way you can always progress and regress. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that are just joining us right now, Wendy Batts and myself on our Master Instructor Roundtable, we're talking about hidden gems, part two, about exercises that maybe have a little more bang for your buck once you dissect it, just as we were talking about when you understand the patterning that each exercise has. Yeah. And it's okay to say, listen, when you're pushing off, I want your toe pointed. I want your quad engaged. I want you to feel the glute on this leg. You know, I want you to bring your hip up. I mean, I think it's important to do the breakdown because it, the more you emphasize that when you're actually teaching them how to do the exercise and they execute it correctly, it's going to make your life so much easier as you continue on doing different exercises because they're used to your terminology and they're used to what you're, you're actually asking them to do. And with one of my exercises that I have, triple extension is extremely important. 
in order to execute it correctly. And we just forget about it at times. Right. And here's the beautiful thing. If you know the model, power is at the end, right? So this is an exercise that most people will need to progress to. But it's not like, okay, we're going into power. Now let me teach you how to sprint and bound and do triple flexion, triple extension. You're going to see with one of Wendy's exercises, you are ingraining that movement pattern from the very beginning. So uh-huh. some of the most basic exercise that you think are basic are just very regressed progressions of something like a sprint or a jump or a bound. So that's the beauty. By the time you're ready, their body has been neurologically wired. Now you're just adding different angles of gravity, maybe load and or speed to movement patterns you've already been ingraining into their body. Yep. Very well said. Shocking. And then if we go to the world. next movement patterns, Marty, you want to take this one? Yeah. So again, some basic, you know, fundamental movement patterns. We have a squat, we have the row. Again, these are triple flexion, triple extension. So kind of like my rules and my accidental exercise, you've probably heard this a lot from Wendy and I, if you've been following us, is we love a squat to row. Because again, it's not just because we like the exercise. It's because it's training someone for one of the most basic principle uh, concepts in human movement we need. We need to be able to lower ourselves effectively and we need to be able to come out of a seat, a chair, whatever that motion is, we need to learn how to do that properly. So, you know, you can squat, you can row, you can put them together, but these are triple flexion to triple extension movement patterns. And it can be as basic as holding onto a suspension trainer with no external load. doesn't have to be anything crazy, but you're starting to get that integration of the entire body. Now there'll be times where you need to regress part of it, but we'll show some of that in our exercise today. You don't need to work on the entirety of the movement system. Sometimes you'll break it down. And especially if you know our corrective exercise model, you'll break it down even more isolated. But the goal is always integration to where we get to as much full body movement patterning in multiple planes at different tempos and different speeds and under load, et cetera, as the, per- as the person can handle. And I think, Marty, you know, it's really important, you know, when we talk about, because um, I saw this on Facebook, actually, you know, and that's what kind of triggered this is someone was like, oh, you know, corrective exercise, you know, is it is it actually a bad thing? And, you know, are you are you harming someone, which I don't understand even the thought process that way. But to the point, you know, when you're thinking about corrective exercise, you're thinking about that as like, you're just getting the body to move correctly. So therefore, when you implement it into the model and then you get them into the PES or you're getting into, a, you know, a, a sprint or something that's explosive, your body's ready for that. You're just setting yourself up in proper alignment so you can execute at, you know, the easiest possible way. And so, you know, again, when we're talking about movement patterns, as Marty said, there's, you know, think about the fundamental movement patterns of life. And, you know, think about, you know, the squat and we do that all throughout the day when we're, you know, just moving around, getting in and out of the car, up and down the chair and then rowing. I mean, obviously that's something that we want to try to emphasize because so many compensations are rounded shoulders, forward head. And I mean, we haven't even gotten into our actual programs yet or uh, sorry, exercises yet, but we wanted to emphasize the importance of thinking about movements and how they can correlate to what we're already doing daily. And, um, you know, those of you guys that are just joining Marty Miller and I on the Master Instructor Roundtable this week, we're talking about hidden gems part two, um, based on some of the feedback people want more. So we wanted to provide, and this is what we're going to go into next, some of our favorites now that we've kind of done the introduction of what we're talking about. And so let's uh, have Marty briefly talk about his accidental exercise, and then we'll go for it. Yeah. So, you know, Wendy and I have been teaching this for an awful long time. 
And one of the common themes is I can never get everything in, in 30 minutes, 45 or the hour. And we're like, then you need to learn a little more on the advanced training uh, part of it, right? There's the concepts of the science and then it's how you put it together. I can always get a ton of work done within 30 to 45 minutes for my clients. So we're not going to get into all of the how now we've done that before, but let's assume that I can get my client to do their foam rolling and their stretching progressions before the clock starts. When I choose exercises, like I talked not too long ago, I don't just randomly grab things. I'm choosing exercises that will target the most important movement patterns at the appropriate level for that client that day. I look for the accidental exercises. So for example, I showed there a picture of the curved non-motorized treadmill. That could be part of their warm-up. And the reason I love that compared to a flat deck motorized treadmill is one, they're the motor, they're the brake. So they're constantly challenged in their neuromuscular system to accelerate and decelerate. They have to be really in tune with what's going on. But if you watch that person walk, if it was a video, you'd see, and you can see from the still image, she has to extend her hip fully. On a motorized treadmill, she may not do that. She also, because of the curve, she has to dorsiflex her foot. So think of the anterior tib work, the glute max work, the core work by the that um, non-motorized treadmill, making her keep her balance and posture. So right there, if she spends three to five minutes in a warm-up, or if this is where she's going to spend time doing cardio, she's going to get more bang for her buck there than if she was doing a recline bike or something like that, because she's seated, she's, her hips are flexed, not extended, and her back is being supported by the bike. Not saying that that's always a bad thing, but again, this is how Wendy and I start to think about uh, exercises so we can get as much impact in a short period of time. Very well said. And if you guys have never tried the uh, non-motorized treadmills, they're very difficult, very, very difficult. A, they're just, they're, they take some time to get used to, but they're a lot harder than you think. <laughs> so That's the fun of it. I know. Just wanted to, uh, you know, throw that out there, but. Oh, what do you know? Here we go. My hidden gym number, well, I shouldn't say number one, because this is part two of our, um, of our webinar, but for this one. Two A. One, yeah, right. One of the, one of my favorite exercises that I do often is either a floor a ball or a standing cobra. So those of you that are new to NASM, I'm not talking about a yoga cobra where you're coming up and going into extension of the spine. I'm actually talking about quite the opposite. I'm talking about literally trying to think about no motion of the spine. So when we're looking at a cobra and you're looking at the, the picture in the very top, you're going to see we're on the floor. She's pointing her toes. So she is contracting her calves, her quads, and her glutes. So that is, guess what? Triple extension. So bam, right there, working on a movement pattern that we do when we walk. Then I'm also having her squeeze the glutes and draw in. So I'm really trying to get all of those 29 muscles that really make up the core engaged along with retraction of the chin. So you're going to see that her face is pointed to the ground. And if she stuck her tongue out, she could probably touch the floor. That's how Don't close that your head Don't should be. Don't try that. I know. Don't do it. But I'm saying, you know, people often keep their head up way too high. So therefore, you know, they're think about the neck. We want to try to think the entire spine is in a neutral level position. And from there, their hands are on the ground. And all I want them to do is to externally rotate their shoulders, pinch their shoulder blades, put their shoulder blades in the back pocket. So basically retraction and depression, hold 
two seconds, maybe three, and then slowly come out of that for three to four seconds and then repeat. So when you're thinking about doing something on the floor like this, it's a, it is a phase one exercise. Cause again, think about the core and no motion of the spine. So I'm really trying to get everything to work in harmony together. I'm really trying to think about a very common compensation of rounded forward, uh, rounded shoulders and a forward head. So I'm working on a compensation on trying to bring the upper body and, you know, back and work on the posterior side. And then I'm also thinking about abs in glutes in, which again, glutes are usually underactive. So I'm also getting glute activation and, you know, and like I said, the hard thing for people to do is to make double chins to retract their, their, um, chin and have it against gravity. So you're working all those muscles that are very weak when your head is forward. And unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that. So for people that can get on the ground, it's comfortable. This is an easy place to start. Um, it's a very, um, I, 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 there's really no progression to this other than where your hands go. Because if you start with your hands by your hips, that's kind of the first step. And then as they progress, their arms can go into like a, a cross position or even above their head because they have to move it further along. Um, that's one way of doing it. If they come in maybe the day two, so let's say they did that on Monday, maybe on Wednesday, if they came in, I might have them do it on the ball. So therefore it's triple extension. I would want their feet against a wall. Couldn't find a picture of that, but they're, they're going into triple extension. So toes are pushed in again, triple extension. It's the exact same thing, but now they're having to stabilize on a ball and do the same motion without coming into extension. And then the same thing maybe on Friday, have them do Cobras again, but either single leg standing, or as you can see this individual, she's on two legs. And again, you can alternate arms, you can alternate, you know, you can do so many different variations of this, but this is truly engaging a lot more muscles that are weak. And we've seen multiple, multiple times in our assessment results. So if you have a client that you know is weak in their core, they have rounded shoulders, a forward head, and, you know, like maybe they really need to work or or they're having some pain in their shoulder because their shoulder blades are winging. These are excellent, excellent exercise, or this is an excellent exercise to do to help with that particular compensation while you can see a list of all the other muscles that are being incorporated. Love it. Can you tell I'm super passionate about that, that Cobra? Not at all. Not <laughs> do the Cobras. All. So before I jump into mine, anyone that's joining us right now, thank you. We are, myself and Wendy Bass, on our Master Director Roundtable going over hidden gems. We're looking at exercises and showing some of the value that may kind of get overlooked when people choose these exercises. So I went a little bro science. I'm like, you know what? People just do triceps. So I don't think necessarily they understand how you can make this a hidden gem exercise, right? So when I look at it, I do like the rope because I get an extra range of motion compared to a bar or a different type of handle. Not because I'm going to hit the medial head at full range of motion. We'll, that's a whole nother conversation. You've got one tricep muscle, three heads, but we'll, we'll come back to that. But the key point here is this gentleman on the right is actually doing it well. A lot of times you're going to see people hunched over trying to get as much weight as possible but they're allowing the gravity of the weight to push their shoulders up, which yes, that's going to happen. So why not make it a shoulder protraction uh, and uh, retraction and depression exercise, right? So if you want to get the gun shows, Wendy likes to say, no problem, but just let's make it a postural exercise. So I will let my client do tricep rope or whatever, or actually I'll do th this version, even on days I'm doing Cobras, 
because I want gravity to try to elevate my shoulders. The tricep part's not the most important to me. It's just, hey, this is a great way to counteract that weight will elevate my shoulders. So I have to retract, depress, and I'll only use as much weight as I can with my chin tuck, like Wendy's saying. So I'm getting now all that postural integrity. Why I activate the tricep, great. But it's really to fight the resistance that the tricep exercise is creating by trying to drive my shoulder blades up. So I was in the gym today and I was kind of, I knew we were going to do this and I was watching it and everybody does these type of exercises wrong. Cause they're only worried about how much weight and they don't, they'll find any mechanical advantage they can to overcome the additional weight and not get their body set and maintain that while they do the elbow extension portion. And I think it's important to note too. think about what the triceps do. So when, when, as Marty said, I mean, this is one that I see done like incorrectly so much. They're bent at the hips, you know, people will grab the rope and then they just go straight down almost like they're in line with their quads. But if you think about it, it's elbow extension. Yes. Are they fully extending their elbow? Sure. But think about if you want to maximize this exercise as well. And as Marty said, you know, really trying to focus on retraction depression is if you pull them apart. So if you have the rope and you pull it apart. So you're going to external rotation, which is super weak on people. So they're doing this exercise and then you have them go into elbow extension and slight shouldered extension, then you're going to fully benefit working all your heads of your tricep, getting a really good, um, getting a good tricep exercise along with the posterior delt and, and your mid to lower trap. So, you know, just if you do it correctly, lighten the load, slow it down a little bit you're going to notice that you're going to get way more benefit out of it. And it's a heck of a lot harder and everybody and, wants it to be hard. Yep. And what I'll do is I won't let my hands rest on the knob. I slide up just a little bit mm -hmm. because now I get some grip strength simultaneously Yeah. because it's easy. Just, you know, you don't have, you have a, a mechanical advantage by letting your hands sit on that knob. So, so Wendy, you're saying that there's some hidden secrets behind this type of exercise. Hmm. Yes if you do it correctly, but that's the big key. You have to do it correctly and think about what the triceps do. People forget about that slight shoulder extension and that's it. I mean, you know, same thing with the biceps, slight shoulder flexion. I'm not saying go all the way up to the ceiling, but the thing is, is it does, you know, extend the shoulder. That's why I was happy when I found this picture. I was like, wow, head and neck in the right position. You know, like yeah. usually when you look on the internet and that's so good. I know. Well, and I always too, when I'm looking at that picture too, the one thing I would change would be, I would say, try to get your knuckles to point towards the ground right. and, you know, without like the flexion in the, in the wrist or extension in the wrist. Mm -hmm. um, so, so just something to think about, but you know, that's just me again, trying to get more out of it. <laughs> and if you're just joining Marty Miller and I this week on the master instructor Roundtable hidden gems part two, you're going to notice that we talked a little bit about why we do these, why we love doing, especially this topic. I have talked about the Cobra. Marty just talked about the extension. And next, I am going to talk about the multi-planar lunge with a reach. Why? We move in all three planes of motion. We should actually train in all three planes of motion. And so, again, you have to maintain proper alignment. When you're actually adding the, the reach, if you're stepping with your right foot and you reach to the left, it's a contralateral exercise. We move in a contralateral way. Why not train in a contralateral way? When you're actually bending that back foot, you're going to be working on getting more range of motion through the first MTP joint, which is your big toe, basically. And that's one of the most important joints, in my opinion. 
Again, my opinion means nothing, but I really find it very, very, very important um, when you're doing different types of exercises. So again, I'm a big fan of that. And if you do them with different speeds based on what, where you are in the model and what you're trying to get out of it, you're going to maybe get some metabolic conditioning. Um, you can do any type of multiplanar exercise in all five phases of the model. So, you know, think about tempo. Tempo on this one, you know, is very important. And so if you did like, let's say phase one and it's in the legs, you could do a multi-planner lunge with reach. And then as you come back, add the balance component. When you go into strength, add load in your hands or, you know, a medicine ball when you're reaching out, you know, so add some weight to that. If you're, you know, thinking about doing some of this in power, you can do this with speed, you know, and then again, if you want to use this as a dynamic flexibility exercise, you can in any phase. So the thing is, is really trying to get the lat, the glute, the quad, everything working together the way that it's meant to, and really make sure that when you're lunging in the sagittal plane, both feet are forward. When you lunge in the frontal plane, both toes are pointed forward. And then when you rotate that you're pivoting correctly. So therefore, when you come back, it's going to be stress-free. It should be just done in harmony. And then, you know, obviously this is more progression. So make sure someone can do, you know, frontal plane, um, uh, sagittal plane and um, or, uh, transverse plane first before you maybe put it together. But it's definitely one of my favorites because there's so many different elements to it. And you're working basically every muscle in your body, including your brain. <laughs> agree more. Just saying. It's a gun show today for me. See? Apparently. It's fr you know, it's it's end of the week almost, you know, when Friday's tomorrow. I got to give people something to kind of, you know, end their weekend on after they watch this. So the reason I like this one is, again, it's commonly used but misunderstood because they're like, oh, I'm just doing bicep curls. Well, yes, you are. But as soon as you're on a suspension trainer, it should be a full body integrated exercise. So what I love about it here is that you're basically getting a plank. If you're doing it right, you're doing elbow flexion with a plank. So again, more bang for the buck. So the other thing too is I'm not letting my arms be pulled forward. So I'm getting my, my shoulders in retraction. So now I'm getting postural work. Again, I was so happy I found a good picture. You've, they've got their head in the right position. Suspension training takes a little time. A lot of people tip their head forward, almost like when they're doing hip hinges. It's hard for them to understand where their head's at. But this individual is doing a great job of keeping that chin retracted against gravity. So it's easy to let that chin tuck. So a lot going on. And then again, you can change your tempos with this too. This could be a very slow and controlled tempo and stabilization. So then you'll get even more grip strength. You'll, yes, you're getting your biceps. You can, depending on what angle you want to attack, you can make it a little heavier by uh, increasing the angle and getting a little bit more body weight behind it. And then maybe it's more of a strength. This is great for supersets. It's phenomenal. I do isometric holds in this type of position as well. So there's so much you can do, but I don't want to see the, the hips get kind of lazy and sag, the low back arch. And then when there's too much body weight, you'll see they thrust themselves forward, right? So yes, you're getting some contraction in the biceps, but you should see, boom, like that spine is frozen and it's moving as a whole integrated unit. And the only thing that would be moving is that elbow. And if you can do that, this is not an easy exercise, especially if you're using a 2020 tempo. 
or if you're going to be brave, I'll say, and go to our stabilization tempo. If you're doing a four, two, one, one for 10 reps, that's 70 seconds of a bicep curl. You're good. And I love it again, going back to the grip strength people's that's what fries out on a lot of people when they really do it right and really have control. I agree. I'm a huge suspension trainer fan um, when done correctly, but I have seen some, I, I don't even, I've seen some amazing things at the gym. And when I say amazing, it's not always a good thing. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly they're trying to do. So to your point, Marty, um, you know, really trying to think about all the muscles that are being involved here. It's more than just the shoulders and, and biceps. It really That's is. So. Yep. Yep. You and the gravity. All right, so this is one, again, I was all about triple extension, triple flexion, um, this hidden gyms. And this is one that I use with my clients very, very often. Again, this can be considered a phase one exercise, but it is a very um, phase one or even phase two because um, of the stabilization component. And you can make this as hard or as easy as you want, okay? And so basically to start, you would have your client lie on a bench they have weight in one arm. Now, this individual is doing a bottom-up kettlebell. That is extremely difficult, but I couldn't find one with an actual dumbbell. So, of course, I would start with a lighter dumbbell. And if it's in the right hand, then I would have them then extend the left leg where it's not lying on the bench but slightly elevated, making sure we maintain a neutral position of the spine. Abs are in tight. They would lower down for four seconds pause, and then they would power up for one, making sure that the leg stays extended, that it doesn't bow out into abduction, which is what it'll want to do, because as the weight goes down, you have to maintain very good core stability and glute activation, or when the weight goes down, your body's going to want to compensate. And in this example, if it's in my right hand, the leg would want to migrate to the left and you don't want that at all. And so, you know, again, the left hand, she's got out to the side, you know, ideally I would have them put it on their hip, but to counteract the, or counterbalance the weight, some people feel more comfortable with that. And that's fine. As long as we can make sure that the head and neck is, is supported, abs are in and everything is done. Again, it's a contralateral exercise. It is a very core based exercise. It is a glute quad activation, especially when you start to regress this exercise. So instead of always just lifting a higher amount of weight, what I then do is I turn them to the side and I have their head and neck and shoulders supported on the bench. So they have to maintain a bridge. So they're actually bridging with, in this case, the right leg. So the right glute is activated and then they're having to maintain their left leg stability and activation again without migration and so therefore they're doing a bridge which is really good for the abs and the glutes they're maintaining um core uh, stability it's a contralateral exercise the quad and the leg has to stay activated because it's lifted hip flexor is also going to be engaged so as is going to be engaged and we're doing a chest press so to me when I think of a hidden gem, this is always one that I find to be very, very challenging, but you want to regress it first and start with the most basic way. And maybe it's just doing a single arm chest press on the bench, then extending the leg. And then at that point, adding a little bit of weight, making sure tempo is good. And then if you want to turn the client perpendicular to the actual um, bench, then 
feel free. And then if you wanted to do a ball, even you could, but you're asking a lot of the client in order to maintain proper alignment. Yeah, that's a great exercise. There's a lot going on there, but again, there's a way to start just with one portion of that. And that's the beauty behind it. Of course. I think you should have demonstrated it personally in a video next this time. This is actually one of my favorite exercises. And I do it a lot of times with um, the clients that I've had, um, especially some of my ball players, because then they try to lift heavy and I'm like, nope. And so, you know, I think the people are going to request a video of that next time of you. <laughs> but when I say drop weight, guys, I mean, like, let's say I have a client that can throw up a uh, hundred pound dumbbells. Okay. Um, and, and I've got them on the bench. If we were going to do this exercise, Again, I find it to be more phase one, phase two. Mm -hmm. um, I drop that weight down a significant amount. Like I would say almost 50% to start. So have them start with a 50 pound weight and then go up again, if they're lifting that heavy of a load. And usually my clients that can lift that load have gone through the model with me a few different times. So, you know, just think about maybe cutting it in half of what they would do with two, because you don't want them to fall off the bench. That looks good for no one. <laughs> so just going to, Throw that out I'm there. I'm going to take a note on that right now. So. <laughs> so my next one, it's not the gun show anymore, but uh, bear crawls. I, I I chose this one again, similar to why I chose the other ones, because people do it and I'm like, ah, they're so close. They know it's good, but they don't know how to execute it. So you already talked, Wendy, about how contralateral exercises are so important. So again, we're just going to do the same thing now, but in a closed chain, which means I'm touching the ground instead of standing up in space. So when you look at this individual doing it, really good form and technique. Again, the chin should be tucked. So that way the neck's in neutral. But this is uh, as close as I could find to ideal. So core stabilization, of course. And it's a dynamic core stabilization. I'm moving my arms and legs, but my core should stay fairly stable. Of course, you should see some rotation, right? Because when the body does move, the spine will slightly move. But I shouldn't, shouldn't see their low back arch. I shouldn't see their scapula's wing. And when I have them doing it slow, I really have them push into the ground with this time. It'd be his left because that's going to get that protraction. So again, I start out very slow, just like we would with the model. Then they can go a little quicker and you know, there's things you can do, but love that it's dynamic core stabilization and dynamic can mean with a tempo that the person can control does not mean fast. Dynamic just means we're adding movement, closed chain, got to be able to have your body in tune with the ground to be able to react to that contralateral. As Wendy said, this is a way I sneak in that first MTP joint, right? You'll see on his right when he's, especially if he's holding it, I'll have them pause for a few seconds. He's getting a, depending on the time of passive or active stretch on that first MTP joint. I already mentioned the protraction definitely can be metabolic conditioning and the dynamic flexibility. And there's so many things you can do with this. You can increase the distance. You can slow it down put a weight vest on. I will never put a weight on them. That's not, I'm not cool with that, but a weight vest can be cool, right? Five, 10, 15 pounds, very light, but you can have them go forward. You can have them go back. You can have them zigzag around. Like you can set up cones and have them bear crawl through. So you can start to add multiple planes. This one can be fun. So to me, I honestly like how slow can you go from point A to point B? Most people are like, Hey, how quick can I go? I'm like, no, no, no. Let's Let's enjoy this process. Can you go from 15 seconds to 30 seconds to cover that same distance? But there's a time where you might want to pick up the tempo. So, you know, you know, everybody has their body weight around at all times. So we showed you a couple of body weight exercise today that can be put through the different phases. So I got away from the gun show, Wendy, and got something, you know, a little, a little bit different.
Yes. Well, no, I think, I mean, I love the bear crawls. I'm a big fan of those as well. And I like to do them, you know, um, in a frontal plane as well. Right. I know you said all planes, but you know, that one, I think oftentimes people forget. I'm like, no, I think it's good. <laughs> so, I mean, those of you guys that are joining Marty and I this week, I mean, hopefully on the hidden gems part two, you're going to absolutely love the exercises that we chose. I mean, I know I'm a big fan uh, Marty did a lot of the gun shows. So if you missed it, the beginning of it, make sure you, you start from the beginning. We talked a little bit about biceps. We did some triceps. We did some cobras. We did some multi-planar lunges with reaches. We did bear crawls. And then I did this crazy thing on the bench that's chest core and everything in between. So, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, but I think the, the biggest thing are our key takeaways. Always think about the muscles that you're working and think about how it can intertwine with daily movements of act activities of daily living. Is there a purpose? Do you have a rationale? Can you find ways to sneak in exercises? And then again, you know, we hope that you can give what we have given you guys today a try, maybe with a little bit more of a purpose when you're doing and executing these exercises, because we talked about the muscles that should be engaged and uh, hopefully you enjoyed them. Absolutely. And for everyone that joined us, thank you so much. Keep the feedback coming. You're going to see our contact information pop up here. This We have our ideas, but at the end of the day, this content is really truly for what you need. So Wendy, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Sure. If you have any questions about what we discussed, or even like you said, for future um, webinars and topics, you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13, or you can always email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org. And then my information's popping right up here. My Instagram is dr.martymiller72. And then my email, marty.miller at nasm.org. Wendy, great stuff as always. And for all of you that joined us, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Master Instructor Roundtable.